this is us. Good afternoon. Good to see you, Joe. Good to see you. Uh, you're all squinty. Can you see me, Brian? <laughs> I can't. It's a little bright out here because I'm getting ready for winter, and I had to take the tarp off my my uh, patio, and so yeah. But it's good. It's good. It's a nice day out here. How are you? How's your day been going? That's good. Been a a, a relatively effective day, uh, you know, in terms of uh, work and busyness. It's kind of nice to go, oh, shoot, it's almost two o'clock, as opposed to, it's a long day, you know, <laughs> it feels like, I'd rather have the day kind of fly by than, than to be clock watching, so it's a good day. Mm. Good thing, yeah, well, good, good. Yeah, I'm just hanging out, been working on the message for next week already, and, you know, doing some grocery shopping today, just the normal things. <laughs> But it's been a while since you and I've had been able to sit down and talk. There's well, so much to talk about. Yeah, well, I think you know. Let me see, because you were gone for a couple of weeks, um, so no podcast, and I was gone last week. Um, so you know, on the positive so side, I'm... what that means is that we're uh, we're getting some rest. Yeah, yeah, which is you know, rest is important. You know. Even just took breaks and we had to force the disciples to take breaks. So yeah, rest is a good thing. I heard somebody tell say something along the line that rest means is an exercise in trusting that God's got it. Oh, He maketh me lie down. Yeah, uh, yeah. I suppose that's true. I mean, like anything, I suppose that can be abused. I, I, I think of my. Yeah. My brother-in-law, whose opinion of, you know, uh, predestination is, well, he already knows what's going to happen, so I, what am I supposed to do? I'll just right. do it nothing. I'll be a... yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, which just jumps right into our topic if we want to, but or we can go other places, but... I, 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 yeah, well, it's, we're only... Uh, Two minutes in, that'd be like a new record from banter to uh, message. So yeah. it would be, it, it'd be just right too too fast, too fast. We'll come, we'll swing back around to that. So I just <laughs> don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know what's happening with your kids, but mine are getting ready for winter, and and Jack's getting ready for sports, and Dawson is selling car you know cards on eBay and. They're seniors. It's crazy. Yeah. Weird. I, uh, and yours just start school. Yeah. No, we're, I, I, I'm sure, well, you're, you're where we are projecting for ourselves, right? We're going, okay, wow, he's here already. He's already in high school. And the next four years are going to go very quickly. And what's that going to feel yeah. like? And both Vanessa and I are kind of acutely aware of, uh, you know, our relationship is really on solid ground. We work really hard at that. And, you know, there's definitely a difference between loving your kids and liking your kids. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's not to be unkind. Um, but uh, Sam's a pretty likable kid. He's fun to be around. Yeah, he's got his surly teenage moments. Uh, um, we have not reached the stage where we're like, can't wait till these kids get out of here or this kid gets out of here you know maybe we'll get there we definitely got there with maris 
Um, but it doesn't feel like we're going to get there with this kid, you know? And so there's a sense of like a sense of dread of like, what's it going to be like when he's not here and we don't have the pleasure of his company. So that's a, that speaks really well to who Sam is. And, and it makes me think about, um, for you and Kathy and how that must feel with that transition. Your boys are pretty independent, uh, becoming more so all the time. So, yeah, I was saying to someone on Sunday that, uh, I didn't realize when I had kids that I was signing up for a lifetime of anxiety, um, which, yeah, because you never stop worrying about your kids. You never stop being concerned about them, which wasn't a new thought. And then uh, she said, yes, that's true. And just wait till they're out of the house. Now you have you have a pretty good idea what they're doing all the time. After that, you really have no idea what they're doing because, yeah, they'll tell you some things, but you're not around them all the time. It gets worse. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, well, you know, if my parents had known all the stupid choices I made after I moved out of their house, you know, I, I don't want to, yeah. It's just a lot of stuff they don't need to know. And I had the freedom to make some mistakes. I suffered some consequences of mistakes. Um, and you continue to wish that you, and hope that you're, your children have the enough of a foundation that when they do ultimately make mistakes that they have the, you know, the wherewithal, whether it's the experience or the wisdom or the courage to, uh, to remedy that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's parenthood. That's growing up. We're all going to make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Still, one of the big things I've been learning about and just really focusing a lot of lately on is that the only thing I can control is my response. That's it. You know, I can't control your response or their response or their choices, what they think about me, what they don't think about me. I mean, nothing regarding them, only only what how I respond. That's it. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this before. Vanessa explained it this way. Um, if it... It's a sunny day and then it starts to rain. Uh, you have a couple of choices. You know, you can gripe about the rain. You can be unhappy about the rain. It's not going to change the fact that it's raining. It's raining. So yeah. so what's your response to the rain? Put on a coat, take an umbrella, you know. Go inside, whatever it is. But you can't, you can't, you can't affect the rain. It's just what it is. And people are like that. It's just... What are you going to do? The image in my mind has been pinball, actually. <clears throat> okay. Where it's when the when the ball comes down, you know, you have the you have the the option of how you're going to hit it. You know, when people come into your life and interact with you, yes, you you have that briefest moment to interact with them. But then once you do, they're going to do whatever they do. And you have zero control of where that ball goes or where it dings around until it comes back around to you. But it's what it is. That's it. And sometimes you whiff it and the ball goes back into the gutter and you start over and sometimes you hit it perfect. And it's just what it is. Yeah. (sighs) Anyways. All right. Truth. We talked about truth, you know, and and this control thing, we're going to talk about that more on Sunday when it comes to, we're going to be talking about anger. Um, but this week was all about, you know, speak the truth. 
and what does that mean and how does that look like you know and um i talked about how you know god is truth jesus determines what's truth it's not really we have our perspectives and and our opinions about what is true and to a certain extent i suppose there's a reality to how we view things um but there's there's a reality beyond what we want you know it's like the rain thing yeah I, my opinion of whether or not it's raining makes no difference on whether or not it is just is and you can't really affect that it's just is and and that's what we mean by truth and that if you don't tell the truth it's it it really does hurt people it's very destructive to relationships because it erodes trust it creates anxiety um there's so many lies we believe about ourselves you know, and, and the question becomes, how do you tell the truth? Because that involves a lot of discernment. You don't always know what's true and what's not, you know, and that make, that calls for humility because maybe you don't have the full story. Um, and then wisdom of how do you say what you need to say? You don't always have to say everything. And when you do speak, you don't always have to be blunt. Sometimes I think people in the name of, well, I'm just telling the truth, they're actually quite mean. Yeah, yeah. And they're not actually kind and it's not helping, but they're they're using I'm just telling you the truth in 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 the name of actually being mean. Yeah, not a good it's not good. So there's a discernment and wisdom to to how you speak the truth. So that's a little bit about about what I talked about on Sunday. One of the questions that popped into my head on Sunday because it's something that I um I think is convicting to me personally, uh, and also I think just kind of a cultural challenge that we have. You know, you, you discuss the idea of my truth versus your truth and how we kind of um, color our opinion with the idea that I can apply my own set of facts, I'll put that in quotes, to derive what I believe is accurate or what I want to believe is accurate. And I wonder how hard we strive to verify what is true or to confirm what is true beyond what validates our preconceptions. Um, and I know for myself, I have, there have definitely been times where I would stop at, before I even started, frankly, you know, um, I remember a guy came over to our house for a barbecue um, and he got into a very political conversation with another person at the barbecue. They're both very different sides of the political spectrum. Um, in the debate, one guy was just, he was very emotional in his stance. And, and then the other guy was very knowledgeable. And every time the emotion slammed up against the true, you know, the knowledge, it fell apart, you know, and it, and because the, the the first guy who was debating from an emotional standpoint stopped researching or stopped exploring at the point where it validated how he felt it should be. Um, and when yeah. I when I apply that to faith, that becomes a very weak faith. Yeah, yeah, but we are so driven by emotion, and especially in this day, and. And I, I, I don't know this circumstance or those particular people, but I do feel like it's both sides do that. Because oh, yeah. it's so it's it 
changing your viewpoint on something is really uncomfortable. <clears throat> People don't want to do that. And it's challenging, and that's something that, that you and I probably need to have more conversation in as we come. I, I haven't talked to anybody about I haven't even had to tell you, Joe, that I'm thinking that we as a church need to sit down and think about how we are going to respond to the political climate as a church. Because it's the two sides are so charged, and I, I think part of the issue is, as you just said, it's whose truth is true. <laughs> It's hard to tell today because it's so emotionally charged. And, you know, it, it, we want to believe our preconceived ideas. And, man, whew, it's tough. It is, yeah. And it's not just, like, the politics, but but um, how, um, like, how we interpret certain passages and uh, or, or how we apply certain passages and... Yeah. I know that in like my study, there are definitely times where I come in with a longstanding preconception based on a casual conversation that I had with somebody 30 years ago. And that somehow yeah. has stood the test of time without actually being tested, without actually being challenged. And then I'll read something. I'll, I'll go, you know, into a deeper study of the, what the word means with the context at the time, that kind of stuff. And I'll go. Oh, I was. Oh, I've been really wrong about this. It's really something more like this. Uh, a passage that comes to mind is when you were sp speaking, um, uh, Philip, and the eunuch. Um, uh, uh, is that right? Do I have that right? Was it Philip? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And just the the idea that you know, here's somebody whose circumstance couldn't be changed, and yet you know, there was opportunity there. And I never really looked at it that way. I hadn't looked at that passage beyond kind of surface level. Okay, here's Philip, here's Road, there's a eunuch. That's really cool. This guy believes Jesus. You know, it never got beyond that to look underneath that, to look at what's the social ramification of being a eunuch in that yeah. culture? Where did they stand, you know, in terms of caste systems? And it opens your eyes a little bit you know, the, we, you, you know, I talk about this all the time. Jesus is so simple and so complex at the same time, which is why his teachings are extraordinary. Yeah. But that it's so true though. Yeah. And, and as I've, I've said a lot lately is you, you're convinced that it's what you think is absolutely true until you realize it's not. <laughs> and that's hard because we do. I mean, you never knowingly believe a lie. You always, or, or an error. You always think it's true until somebody points it out. Hmm. And it's, yeah, theology, it's personal relationships, where we are, it, it's, inner, it's your own inner thoughts, where you're convinced that this is true and the way you're looking at yourself or the, or the world is right. And then one day a light bulb goes off and you go, oh, I've been thinking about people like that or myself like that. And that's not accurate. Uh, lies man that's it's so devastating and it's so easy to believe the the the, the truth i mean a, a lie and not the truth and so i that's why i had to push the you know this takes the, this discernment this takes the humility of going mm -hmm. do i really right because maybe i don't 
You know, yeah. we push our trail hard, but maybe, maybe you, maybe you don't have it. Well, and then you add in the, not to overwhelm people, but the level of complexity which you brought up, which is the idea that Satan used the truth in his conversation tempting Jesus, where right. he's quoting scripture, and it's Quote. true. Truth. However, in that context, it was truth being manipulated in such a way uh, as to manipulate people or to, you know, to uh, to twist people. And um, and so that level of discernment is that the requirements just are up. However, the challenge that I throw out there is if somebody told you that in five months you had to run a 5K, you know, you had to run three miles. Most hmm. folks would be like, I can figure that out. You know, it, it probably wouldn't be that hard. And it wouldn't seem insurmountable. And you might not take it as seriously as you should. And then four weeks beforehand, you go, oh, I haven't trained at all. What am I going to do? Um, if somebody said in five months, you have to run a marathon. That would feel overwhelming. And it's serious enough that you would start thinking about it now and you would start planning for it now. You would start that preparation now. So if we think about kind of the challenge of what is the truth and how we speak the truth, if it's, if our paradigm shift is it's, it's not easy. I I can't just digest truth the way I'm used to digesting it, but I have to kind of re reframe how I take this on. If you understand that it's a big challenge, maybe you'll take it more seriously. Wow, well said. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess that's really one of the few things that you can say with this is just take it seriously and work hard at it. Work hard, hard at how do you say something that's true and answers a question that's not hurtful? You know, like I said, I talked about the, the, the woman who keeps asking, where's your dead husband? Right. You know, yeah. How do you, you know, she has dementia. She keeps forgetting. Well, it's, it's not very kind to continue to say every week, well, she's, he's dead. So you got to figure out a different way of saying the truth because you don't want to lie to her, but you got to figure out a way to say it. That's not hurtful. So, and sometimes you don't need to speak. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa schooled me. Schooled, schooled me on this a little bit yesterday, and you already aware of this, but we, I didn't share it at church, but a, a friend of mine, her her husband, passed away uh, last week. He took his life. Um, and is part of a community, uh, the, um, the voiceover community that I'm a part of. She's somebody that I've mentored for like the past four years. She's become a very close friend. I know her family. I knew her husband. Um, people in our community all know who she is because she's just very active. Um, I start getting messages from people. Do you know what happened? Cause they know that we're friends. What can you tell me about what happened? And people are asking because, I mean, I think there's two sides of it. They care, there's concern. And then there's also that kind of, um, maybe morbid curiosity or that they, they want to alleviate yeah. the, and I feel it too. Well, what, like, I know that he took his life, but then there's a part of me that wants to know more. Well, what's the circumstances? Because something so terrible, you want to know, you want to understand more. And my response to people similar to the dementia patient is, I can't really add anything 
to what's already been shared. Um, Couldn't in the sense of, is it possible, but that you shouldn't? Right. Yeah. And right. Yeah. I don't Couldn't really ways. Yeah. And it's, it's not trying to be, I think it's, we're going to be careful. We're not trying to be sneaky with it. No. You know, we're not trying to get away with something. It's just like, no. I, I need to respect this family and what they're, how they want yeah. to communicate what happened, you know, how it gets right. around the community. And also, you know, I want to recognize, Hey, I know you guys care. And the only reason you're asking is because you care. Um, right. It's just not something that it, I'm in a position to share. Right. And, and, I, and that's what I was thinking about with this is what's your motivation for, for omission? What's your motivation for not giving a simple, straightforward answer? Well, if it's not selfish or it's not trying to mislead or deceive, omission can be fine. God omits all the time. There's a lot he doesn't tell us, but it's not because he's trying to mislead us. It's like, yeah, you don't need that information right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's, 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 and, and there's, yeah, like truths that you don't share with your kids because they're not really in a, an emotional place to, uh, to process it. You know, there's just like, right. that's why you wait till you're 16 to drive a car. Right. I mean, like, there, there's just not ready. yeah you just there's certain things that you're you're not ready for um and so you're omitting it because having that knowledge isn't necessarily helpful yeah you know right i remember hearing a story a long time ago about it was some famous christian writer i don't know like elizabeth elliott or somebody like that and she had asked her dad of, of why someone was was shot or something like that and he said, well, they were at a train station, and, she, and he said, well, why don't you carry my baggage to the, uh, to the cranes, to the, up, to, up to the car? And she goes, I can't. It's too heavy. And he said, that's, yeah. this, that's why I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. It's too heavy. Yeah. It's too heavy for right now. When you get older and you can, you can handle this, you can handle the truth that I, I need to, that I could tell you, sure. But right now, you're, you, you just can't handle it yet. Yeah. So what's your point? What are, you, what are you trying to achieve? Which brought me to that verse 29, you know, is it, is it going to build people up? Is it going to give grace? Is it the season? Is it fitting for that particular moment? I think about in personal relationships when people are fighting and having an argument. You got, they got to be ready to hear what you have to say. You, you know, if they're not ready. It's not going to help them. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help the argument. So you could tell them the truth right then, but it won't matter. It won't be a good thing. It won't help them. Right. Yeah. Even if they accept that that is the truth in the moment, it, the way our culture is built, it will only take a, a, five minutes later, a person could say, well, that's just not what they told you is not true. And that will completely unwind a, yeah. a factual argument because, yeah. you know, our brain is... Um, you know, we've got those pathways that are, uh, that are set up, they're literal pathways in our brain that, uh, that want to go a certain way. You give them, you can redirect them, but if you give it the opportunity to go back through that other pathway, that's more comfortable, that aligns with the way that you want to think, you'll just throw away the truth. And I think 
that's one of the most important things about the whole truth is when we receive that truth is how do we process it? And you use the word humility, mm-hmm. which to me is so important, um, especially if you've been like pushing really hard on something and you embarrass yourself or you have the uh, you are in a position to embarrass yourself by pushing hard on something that ultimately is not accurate. Um, yeah. Can you demonstrate the humility? And on the other side, if you do, if you are proven out to be right, what what grace are you showing to the to that person? You know, uh, yeah. You know the idea that yeah, process that for potentially weeks, months, years, and you expect them instantaneously to get where you are. Uh, no, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're right. like. If you're like me, you will like get in the shower and all of a sudden you'll remember something foolish that you said or did or something you believed from 30 years ago and you're kicking yourself over that. You're still not necessarily giving yourself grace in that. Um, The other person may have completely forgotten it. So uh, Jackson Brown, one of my favorite lyrics, don't remind me of my failures. I have not forgotten them. Um, Right. It's um, giving people space and grace. Um, once they hear the truth and acknowledge the truth, you don't need to beat them up over it. Hey, see, I told you I was right. See? Oh, yeah. And that has such huge implications in the church, in our political discourse, in, you know, in term talk, Christians talking with non-Christians. Mm-hmm. It's like, is this, you know, is this, re- do you really need to point out their sin do you really need to? I don't know that you do. Is this going to help them come closer to Jesus or not? Sometimes you think, well, I'm just telling them the truth. Like, yeah, but are you pushing them away with that? I'm just telling them the truth and it's loving. Oh, what does it mean to speak <laughs> the truth in love? Right? Yeah. 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 And I, you know, yeah. Uh, anyways, well, it's, it's, that's, yeah. you know, I would get this whole section. Sorry, I'll come, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it, it, you just reminded me. I had a conversation with Sam the other day where, you know, he's in high school. He's his friends. They're using different language and I'm not necessarily, you know, course language, whatever. Uh, it doesn't necessarily offend me. I just prefer not it for not to be used. It sneaks out of me occasionally. Um, I, I do get uncomfortable when people take the Lord's name in vain, you know, um, and Sam has started to do that. And, and I just, at one point I stopped him and I said, you know, I just want you to understand that that bothers me. You know, it, it's offensive to me and it may not mean that much to you. I said, you know, I don't know where you're at with your faith. You know, if you're, if, uh, you know, if, if it's not that big a deal to you, you know, that's something for you to kind of process or, you know, like if I was with an atheist and they took the Lord's name in vain, I know it has no, it means nothing to them. And so it's not offensive. It's like, you know, me pointing that out to them doesn't point out a sin to them because it doesn't, there's no, there's mean no anything. right. Um, but I, you know, for Sam, I'm like, you know, if it's something, if you do believe, then that's something that you should be thinking about. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe don't get in that habit. You know, I'd much rather you say, gosh, you know, or whatever. Um, 
I recognize it. Yeah. Right. Um, and what was I going to say? You forgot to do this. Yeah. I did. Yeah. It was, it was something along the lines I was thinking about, about this whole sec. Oh, that's what it was. You know, when I was approached this section of 25 through 31 to the end of the chapter, a lot of preachers just preach the whole section at once. There's five um, little nuggets, you know, of a positive command, the negative command, and a reason why not. There's five of them. And a lot of them just say, let's try to a, a thread through them all of this is generally what he's saying you should do. This is generally why you shouldn't do it. And what's the, what are some reasons why? And I could have done that, but I thought, but I was looking at, at truth and some of these others, and I'm like, I think it would be helpful just to slow down because it's complex to try and ex- figure out what is true. You know, there's there's multiple issues here, and when we talk about anger this week, that's it's not a simple answer. There's 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 nuances there. Because how often are we going to be able to sit down and just talk about speaking the truth? What does that mean? How does that look? Why should we do it? What's the impact? And so that that that, that was all my only point was like, this is calm. These, these issues are complex, you know, and then the next one's going to be, I think it's going to be stealing and giving. And when is it stealing? When is it giving? And, you know, how do you know who to give to? When is it empowering versus... Um, um, enabling right. yeah, it's like that yeah that's not a simple answer and when is it important to know the difference when does it matter if you know the difference you know um yeah yeah and then i ended up with I don't, I'm, I'm like looking at her oh we, we gotta get going i was just i kind of ended with the gospel and in, in applying the the truth of who you are in jesus you know, looking that you need people to speak truth into your life, because if you don't, you're going to continue to believe the lies that you believe without somebody, another voice coming in. And and that's why, you know, counseling can be extremely important for so many of us, because you need to hear, you need to hear another voice. You need to hear, um, you need to hear the truth. You need, you need to pray for, once you have a sense of what that, that you talked about, pathways in your brain you know, you, you know, praying can help you rewire your brain as you over and over again say, no, this is what's true. You know, God, help me to hear what's true. So there's, there's just, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a challenge, but we can get there. We can get better. Yeah. It's don't give up, make a small change, then make another small change. And, you know, us as a church, if we have this conversation about how we want to uh, engage or address politics in our in our world, that kind of thing, right? It's going to feel like, well, what's a church of 80 to 100 people going to do? Well, uh, a lot more than if we don't try. Right. You know. Yep. All right. It was an interesting conversation. I hope it was blessing for people. And it's, it's a topic. Next week is going to be anger. That's going to be, yeah, I'm interested. That'll be a fun conversation, I think. I think. I think so too. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us next uh, this week and hope to see you on Sunday. Thanks folks. Take care. Take care.